What's up, Midas Mighty? This is the Midas Touch Podcast. Exposed. The Russian plot to put a deranged and mentally unstable Donald Trump in the White House in 2016. Exposed. The chairman of the (laughs) Joint Chief of Staff compared Donald Trump to Hitler. Exposed. News breaks that Liz Cheney put that fucking guy to use her words, Matt gets in his place. And of course, we will discuss the GQP states doing GQP things. We will cover this all and more on this Midas Touch podcast with our special guest, former New York Assistant Attorney General Tristan Snell, who prosecuted Donald Trump through Trump University, prosecuted Trump University in 20. 13 fellas what do you think about that new opening style was that a cock spot of an opening or what <laughs> i was gonna say did you say a cock spot Ooh. <laughs> a cock spot of an opening i don't I think, think that's thing, i don't think that's universal man i don't think any yeah i don't think anyone knows what that even means i think we're gonna have to <laughs> we tell the people i think we're gonna have to we peel have so that much back serious because, news but can you tell the story brett of the cock spot micellus lore so that everybody knows what a cock spot is yeah i'm also curious if anybody else calls what we're about to call a cock spot or if it's just something bizarre that our parents made up to tell to us so that we would when we're unleashed in the world just say bizarre things and people look at us like we have three heads so in the micellus family (laughs) i'll say i'll tell you guys how it how it came up this weekend to me so some of you may have followed the saga of brett's broken phone my phone broke this weekend it was devastating Honestly, my phone is my life. I run Midas off the phone. We do a lot from my phone. I was so, I was so heartbroken. So I, I, I break the phone. I go to the Apple store to try to get it fixed. And I pull into a, a, a parking spot that has a good vantage point of the Apple store. And I said, man, got a really cock spot there. It's a good parking spot. It's a, <laughs> a good great, parking yeah, spot. A great which spot. means you got a good, a great parking spot. And then I had to think twice about like why I called it a cock spot. And then I realized throughout our whole lives, our parents have called it a good parking spot at a location, a cock spot. We'd be like, oh man, you got a cock spot there. And I like... I, I don't even know if I want to put it through Google and try to see if I could. There's no such thing as a cock spot. Do not, not Google cock spot. <laughs> But this is all a thing, right? Like you guys call the, you would call that a cock spot as well. Oh, and not only that, and I got my entire, my, my fiance's whole family now calls good spots, cock spots. And I, it's growing. The movement is definitely, the cock spot movement is certainly growing. Ben, how about you, man? Our family sense of humor is kind of strange because <laughs> the pranks that are pulled are so long term that nobody even tells you about the prank. You just discover it somewhere you know, along the road of life, that's something you've been saying is completely ridiculous. And I remember, Brett, the moment for me was my junior year of high school while I was with another family and they brought me to the <laughs> beach. It was, it was, it was Tobe. I still remember the moment. It was Tobe Beach and Long, Long Island, Island where we grew, where we grew up. And it was very hard to get a good parking spot, but we went there and right, there's a tunnel right where you walk in, where you go underneath the tunnel yeah. to go to the beach. And there's a very hard to get a parking spot there. So we got a great parking spot. And I was like, that's a cock spot. We got. <laughs> and they were like, what, what did you just say? I said, the spot, it's a cock. And they're like, what? What do you mean the spot's a cock? 
I go like it's a good spot. You're like, what are you talking about? No one says that. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean nobody says that? You don't call good parking spots cock? And they go, no, you mean like a dick? Like, what are you referring to? Like, <laughs> like what, what what is it that you mean? And it's and it dawned on me right then and there that from the age of about four, since I first started speaking in coherent sentences, our parents played a prank on us apparently by calling parking spots just consistently and they would say it very casually they would be like yeah it's a good, good cock spot you got a good cock spot <laughs> that's what i want to know though i want to peel back this layer and we might have to get our, our parents on the show at some point to, to discuss it because I, I want to see was this a prank played on us that hey like did did they get together and be like yeah so this is what we're gonna do so, i think question, you want to be very careful qu- about question, peeling back that did you layer call the spot cock yeah, yeah. Let us know if have you ever heard of anybody calling a good parking spot a cock spot, or is this something devised by our parents when we were younger? To Dude, have people listening to this are going to be like, "What the fuck?" Because I don't even know what it means. Like, what does it mean when you it break it down? Anything. It doesn't mean anything. But as a phrase, you don't kind of disassociate the two words. Like, you're not like cock. You're just like, no, oh, I don't. Is no, absolutely not. No, it's just it's the like, cock, hey, spot. cock spot. It's like a yeah. one, 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 one phrase. So uh, there you have it. Let us know if you know what what a cock spot is, and uh, and we'll go from there. You know what I was channeling though? There in, in the intro, I think this is the guy's name. He his name is John McLaughlin, and I think he had a TV show. And whenever he would start it, it was like a round table show. I'm just drawing a blank on what the name of the of what the show is. But I think he would start the show and he would basically be like, expose Donald Trump. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> expose. So, so that's uh, that's, I guess, my new intro right there. Tell us what you think about that. Tell us what you think of a cock spot. And we'll tell you what we think about the news that broke from The Guardian. I'm sure you've all heard. There's been just some great reporting all around lately. We've got The Guardian reporting. We have um, Carol Lenning, who was on our show, Washington Post writer, um, with her great book, with a ton of news that broke. We'll be covering those. But The Guardian reported that Um, uh, documents from the Kremlin have emerged, basically showing that Vladimir Putin ordered that the compromise be taken out of Donald Trump. Um, That's compromising information in order to blackmail Donald Trump. These papers that were uncovered uh, have Vladimir Putin (laughs) 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 referred to. I I think we know that at this point, I mean, the, the the P tape, put it this way, though, would not change a single no. mind of GQP members. Zero. They would, I don't, I'm not even going to make the disgusting analogy. I'll make the disgusting. If they, <laughs> they would just start peeing on each other. Absolutely. Like all the time. If they, if they saw the pee tape, they, they would pee on each other like dear leader. Yeah, they'd, go where, they would, they'd go where the pee party now. They used to be the tea party. Now they're the pee party. <laughs> the pee party. <laughs> It'd be like how T-Bowing took off that, that one year. It would start the trend in the GQP that they it's all like just start pissing on each other. T-Bowing, planking, and they will have a literal pissing contest. Yeah, they would, you would start watching TikToks and they would be like, what up, TikTok? We're about to own the libs. Come here, honey. Go pee on me. That's what the, that's what the GQP Twitter would look like. It's called Trumping. Yeah, Trumping is getting peed on on TikTok. 
<laughs> we're not exactly. king shaming. I want to be clear. We're not king shaming. And I also want to be clear. We're, you know, when they shaming. say when we when they say Midas touch our trendsetters, that's that's exactly what we mean. This is a trend that I think is <laughs> going to really take <laughs> off amongst Republican circles. We we get left and right on the show. So Vladimir Putin in these papers that the Guardian reports on referred to Trump as mentally unstable. Um, he refers to the fact that Trump has an inferiority complex. Um, and that by putting a mentally unstable individual like Trump into the White House, it would destabilize the United States. They ran a psychological assessment of Trump um, and uncovered it's not exactly like a uh, sophisticated <laughs> finding that this was a impulsive, mentally unstable and unbalanced individual is the exact quote. Yeah. What was um, that? What was that study like? Uh, we got to look into whether uh, Donald Trump is mentally unstable. Yeah, no, he is. Oh, okay. Yeah, got it. <laughs> let, let, let's make that guy the president. Um, but Americans are supposed to be smart and sophisticated, and they wouldn't allow such a ridiculous, hateful, disgusting, stupid man become president. Well, we've got some data that actually suggests 30% of the country would literally swim in Donald Trump's pee. Um, so what are you going to do with that data? Hashtag Trumping. Hashtag Trumping. And so that story came out and that's like, you know, a, a a probably asterisk in the news cycle that's just unfolded over the past 24 hours as well. And we've gotten a ton of news from the Carol Lenning book. Um, the book is called I Alone Can Fix It. Donald Trump's catastrophic failure. It's by Carol Lenning and Philip Rucker. I can't wait to read the full book other than the excerpts and the reporting on the book, which is enough to truly make you appreciate just how close we were to the brink of, of a coordinated effort. I mean, look, there was a coup on January 6th um, and but for the fact that Trump was completely incompetent, um, there's a real fear at the highest level, at the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff level, that our top military leaders who form the Joint Chiefs, who, are, who run their various entities, were planning how to resist and how to literally fight back if Donald Trump tried to turn the military completely against the American people and established the United States as an authoritarian Hitler-esque state. And I'm not just throwing out the name Hitler just to, you know, just to make a comparison. They, they use, they being our milit our top military leaders of the United States, the people who the GOP used to profess that we're supposed to look up to. And of course, we're supposed to look up to our military leaders. Labeled this man a Hitler-like character referred to what Trump was trying to take advantage of the turmoil in the United States as a Reichstag event and referred to Trump as trying to do what Hitler did. And Trump's still trying to do it today. But what Hitler did in Nazi Germany and made Germany a Nazi country. I think it's also important to note what everybody witnessed on January 6th. We've heard bits and pieces of this. But in Carol Lennig's book, she explains that on January 6th, while the riots were happening, while the coup attempt was going on, 
quote unquote, the president was riveted. His supporters had heeded his call to march on the Capitol with pride and boldness. For Trump, there was no more beautiful sight than thousands of energetic people waving Trump flags, wearing red MAGA caps and fighting to keep him in power. Make no mistake, guys. Trump loved the insurrection. The only thing he is upset about regarding January 6th is that the insurrection failed. And as you said, Ben, Millie viewed Trump as a classic authoritarian leader with nothing to lose. And that's really horrifying coming from the nation's top military official. I mean, there's nothing scary than hearing that. The thing that I love, though, hearing about General Milley here is when all this was going on after the election, I think a lot of us were afraid of a January 6th type event and a coup attempt. People were afraid that Trump would not want to leave power. And one of the things that was scared were you? I remember when who was it? I think it was Mike Pompeo. Just crazy to even have to call him the secretary of state. I remember when the election was over because I was Mm -hmm. driving back. I watched the results in Big Bear. I didn't fully realize it was Trump country. And I was trying to try to be in a safer area um, during the election. And like my next door neighbors were, I was like in this like little town with like two Trump houses. Again, I disagree. I think that's great strategy right there. You're hiding in enemy territory. Ben's like, yeah, I I was trying to, I was was playing. But anyway, (laughs) I'm leaving and we're, we're coming down from the mountains. And I just remember that there was a press conference like right after Mm -hmm. the results. And they asked Mike Pompeo um, something like, will you accept the results, you know, of the election? And Pompeo was like, what are you talking about? We won the election. This is our election. Donald Trump it will be the president again. And that moment was one of the scariest. I remember I was at a gas station. It was like the scariest thing I've ever, one of the scariest things I've ever heard somebody in the government say. Ben, I got the clip here. Let's just play it to remind our listeners. There will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. All right, we're, we're ready. The, the world is watching what's taking place here. We're going to count all the votes. When the process is complete, there'll be electors selected. There's a process. The Constitution lays it out pretty clearly. And so, yeah, and he said that with a smile and a grin. Um, when, when he said that, which is really like the most anti-American statement you can make. But I remember thinking also, you know, because there's a lot of debate. What does the military think about all this? You know, that's always a, a big thought, because in order to have a successful coup, you need the military on your side. Right. You can't do it without the firepower of the military behind you. And what I love about hearing this story about General Milley is he explicitly said at the time they may try but they're not going to fucking succeed. That's what he told his deputies. And he explicitly stated, you can't do this without the military. You can't do this without the CIA and the FBI. We're the guys with the guns. And that gives me at least a little bit of comfort that if we got to that point and we got terrifyingly close to that point. We got to the point. We got to the point. Mark Milley saved us. Let's just be clear what... The implication of the news is, though, right, is that General Mark Milley saved the United States of America. If Trump had put his military leaders that he was putting in the Defense Department and Trump was putting those people yeah, in. You got to remember what was Department going on at the Defense. time. He was changing up the people who were at up top at the Pentagon. And he was putting in Trump lackeys at all these places. He had just gotten rid of Bill Barr. And Milley was watching this and was being like, holy shit, this is really going down. This is what's happening. 
And it seemed like the first inclination for Milley was actually when he was sort of used as a prop during the protest in, in D.C. when Trump deployed all yeah. those like aircrafts or whatever, fly over all the protesters and stuff. And then Milley really, you know, introspectively looked at that moment of himself and he he genuinely felt bad. Like, I believe that he felt bad about that moment and he understood what he needed to do in order to preserve our, our republic. And look, th- at the end of the day, we are fortunate that Trump is an idiot that Trump can't even run a social media account with any degree of success. I can't create a social media platform with any degree of success. Trump can't run things. And so operationally, he's a failure. But let's not forget what was happening here. Trump wanted to turn America into Nazi Germany and wanted to become the Adolf Hitler of America. And he is still trying to do that each and every day. And as we know right now, as the GQP leaders, as McCarthy, the leader of the GQP in Congress, goes to bed minister to meet with him, as the GQP's television platform, Fox News, starts attacking the military. It's Always on cue, man. Always on cue. On cue, right? Tell, tell us about the Fox News thing yesterday, bro. Well, the second these stories start breaking, Fox knows that a lot more is about to come, right? When it rains, it pours. And the second that they see a threat to their power, and in this case, seeing what General Milley said about Trump and his fears about Trump being a Hitler-type leader trying to take over the United States as a fascist dictator, what does Fox do? They run all night about how the military leadership's failures are increasing distrust. They just make up news to try to make their stories reality because they want to discredit whoever is out there speaking badly about Trump and the Republican Party. And I just want to just go back a second just to reiterate what you said, Ben. This news comes out that, first of all, we've seen throughout this whole process that Trump is still trying to overthrow the results of the 2020 election and is still trying to orchestrate a coup. The insurrection is ongoing. We see that our top general has stated that he was scared of Trump being a Hitler-like figure who was going to take over this country. And what does the GOP do? Do they announce it and say, hey, he was our guy, but we support democracy above all and rhetoric like what we heard from the Trump administration as no place in America? Of course not. That's not what they did. McCarthy ran straight to Bedminster to meet with Trump. And what are they possibly talking about? What are they possibly talking about? We need to understand that they could even be plotting another coup over here. It's not out of the realm uh, and, and of possibility. Not, that's not hyperbole. I mean, when you see the Chirons on Fox, on all of their shows, that beam in front of their GQP zombies that attack the American military. They're anti to the most anti-military chirons. And what is their offense? Their offense to Fox News is that they defended our democracy from an insurrection, that they defended our country from a dictator. And when I just see these images of Fox News attacking our military. I think about the great sacrifices our grandparents made fighting in World War II against fascism, against the Nazis, to create a better world for us here. And to think about an anti 
democracy network that's beaming Russia propaganda into my fucking television, into my computer, into my living room. Are you kidding me? You know what McCarthy and Trump are also most definitely talking about? They're getting their story straight. This January 6th commission's heating up. They're going to call on McCarthy to speak. And I disagree with you, Jordy. Come on, I they don't have think to be they talking. Give a fuck. I think I, I don't look, think they give up at this point. McCarthy knows their stories at this point. McCarthy knows that he can't put anything in text messages or whatever, because Trump's just going to eventually use it against them. I think that's a big reason why he's flying out in addition to potentially probably, you know, plotting another coup. But look, they have to get their story straight at one point. And you can't communicate with Trump on, on anything digitally because the guy's so incompetent. I don't think they care about their story. I, I just I don't think they care about their story straight because I, I think what they're genuinely trying to do is do I think they're plotting like an overt coup like of like, hey, how do we how do we get, you know, people to literally like go with tanks and go into the White House? I don't think that I think they're talking about, though, the more subtle kind of coup nuances of how can we change voter laws? How do we arrest the Texas Democrats who are in D.C. right now and fly them back to Texas so that we can pass voter suppression laws in Texas. I think they're talking about how do we turn America and institutionalize um, an apartheid like country in America so that the GQP can change the rules and then reinstall Donald Trump as a dictator. That's what they're talking about. I have no doubt. And I also want to be very clear about what I believe that Fox News is doing here, because, Ben, like you said, Fox News has become anti-military, but it's more specific than just anti-military. What they're doing is they are showing they're becoming anti-military leadership. That's why they say military leadership's failures are increasing distrust. Fox News knows that they are, for whatever fucking reason, the main network that is beamed onto military bases around the world. So what they want to do is they want to drive a wedge between the leadership of our military and the troops in our military. That's their goal. They want to cause division and they want to tear our military apart from the inside by fomenting this division. It's what they do with the FBI. It's what they do with the CIA. It's what they do with the military. It's what they do with all of our institutions. They are trying to tear the very fabric of our nation apart from within. Spot on. I, yeah, I, I think that's a great analysis, Brett, of, of what's going on. And I thank you for framing it in that context, too, of the additional layer of sedition of trying to turn the military members against, you know, their own direct reports and their own and their own leaders to harm the safety of our country, you know, and ultimately going back to at the top of the show to do the bidding of Russia, to do the bidding of our enemies. And that's what makes me so frustrated here. But to get over my frustration, I want to call in our next guest. I want to call in Tristan Snell, who successfully prosecuted the Trump organization. We There's a lot we can learn from that prosecution by Tristan Snell, specifically regarding how we can gather documents, how we can work with people like Weisselberg and turn them against Donald Trump to get at the truth. We will be right back after these messages with Tristan Snell. What's up, Midas Mighty? Ben Micellis here. Join 
by my younger brothers, Brett and Jordy Micellis. Have you got your Midas merch gear? If you haven't gotten your Midas merch gear, I don't know what's taking you so long. I got my gear. Most of the Midas Mighty got their gear. We have some incredible stuff. Isn't that right, Brett? That's right. And with the new CDC guidelines that say you no longer have to wear masks indoors or outdoors if you've been vaccinated, a lot of people have been asking us, how do you let people know you've been vaccinated? How do you know if you're around other vaccinated people? A lot of people are concerned. But, you know, we already thought about this, guys. We got our Vaxxed and Relaxed merch line. You could get it now if you still want to wear masks, if you still feel comfortable wearing masks around indoors or outdoors. We got the masks. We got the tees. We got the shirts. We got it all. And we got more on the way. Way, so let people know you've been vaccinated. Shop at store.midastouch.com to get yours. And that's not all we have. We got the Club Democracy gear. We got the shout out to the Midas Mighty gear. We got it all. Go check it out. That's store.midastouch.com. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. We are joined by Tristan Snell. Of course, we know Tristan right now as the former assistant attorney general for New York State from 2011 to 2014, who led the investigation and prosecution of Trump University and the Trump organization, resulting in the landmark settlement. In other words, Trump was the big loser of the case. (laughs) That prosecution took place in 2013. Tristan practices law now with Main Street Law, repping small and medium-sized businesses and maybe one of the busiest men in the news or busiest people in the news right now, huh? Welcome to the Midas Touch podcast, Tristan. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Really, really happy to be here uh, and uh, and hope this will be the the first of a number of appearances to come. Always happy to talk about uh, all of the legal implications facing the former guy. So... So, so Tristan, you now are like the expert as the lawyer who knows how to successfully prosecute Trump. That's a pretty big distinction in these times and keeping you pretty busy, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, you know, look, we were very proud of the work that we did. There were a number of us who worked on the case. Uh, you know, part of it's just luck, like I was in the right place at the right time. Uh, part of it was a lot of good hard work. And then part of it is, you know, some of the other people who could probably talk about this are still at the office, so they can't. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, I, I've, I've had a chance to, to be the one to talk about all of this and I've just been grateful for that. You know, it's so weird because you're a little less busy this week on TV because last week it was more of like the criminal prosecution of Trump. (laughs) This week is like full on Trump is a foreign asset working with the Kremlin (laughs) to destroy. So we bring on those this week's military experts. huh? Right. Yeah. You bring in the military national security (laughs) experts this week. So I'm I'm friends with Asha Rangappa, who is Mm -hmm. one of the national security people on CNN. And she she's on to talk about all of that stuff. So, yeah, like, yeah, it depends on the week it's like what laws did he break this week well we'll have these people on we'll have those people on so you know (laughs) well talking about the laws that he broke that you prosecuted i have to discuss that a little bit you led the prosecution against trump university and the trump organization in 2013 when you were doing that and you saw the documents were you just thinking in your head like like this guy 
this guy is like <laughs> Bernie Madoff on fucking steroids and it's right underneath our nose. And like, why is it? Why am I the only person who's who's going after, you know, who, who's prosecuted? What was going through your mind? And you don't have to embrace yeah. my language there. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's good. So, you know, the kicker is that, um, you know, I got handed that case on my second day at the AG's office. Welcome to uh, the AG's office. Yeah, Tristan. welcome to the AG. So at the time, it's very, it was very, di- it was very different though. At the time, it was basically here's this case. We haven't really been able to work it up yet. We don't really know what to do with it. We don't know if there's a case. Can you see if there's anything here? And the problem was that they had. So to rewind just a just a teeny bit. They took on that case as part of a broader initiative against, and we could have a whole episode about this, for-profit education, which is one of the biggest areas of scams and fraud in the entire American economy. It's heartbreaking what those institutions do and fleece people out of billions of dollars a year. We were going after a number of different entities in the for-profit ed space. Trump University was just one of them. The Trump people were stonewalling us. They weren't giving us any documents. So we really couldn't get a handle on exactly how bad all the fraud had been. A lot of my job was then to go figure that out. I interviewed a hundred people that had taken Trump University courses, all New Yorkers, and the, and what I found was just staggering. People cried when they picked up the phone and I told them who I was and what I was asking about because they were just so happy slash overcome with emotion that someone and and sad and angry and all the all the feels because they were just so overcome that somebody was finally looking into it. They thought that they had been fleeced and there was nothing they could do about it. They'd lost $35,000, put it on credit cards, blown through their life savings, had to sell their house, things like that. And someone was finally looking into it and finally saying, wow, we really actually might be able to get justice here. And it took us a long time. Those calls were in the fall of 2011. Those people didn't get their money back until the spring of 2017. Sometimes these things take a while, Uh, but we did get it done. We got it done and it's the biggest legal loss he's ever had. I forget, was he deposed in that action? So there were two actions. One of them was a civil action in uh, U.S. District Court in San Diego. That was the whole thing where he was railing about the Mexican judge. You guys remember right. that? Right. Yep. Uh, so that, that was a civil private class action out in di- U.S. District Court in San Diego. That, they, those were sort of our brothers in arms with all of that. They're the ones who ended up deposing Trump. We never did. We felt like we had them dead to rights with so many good documents that we didn't really feel like we needed to depose Trump and turn that get into that whole three ring circus. So we never did it. But they did. And so and what, what were before the, that file dropped on your desk? Hey, can you uh, work this up, Tristan? What were you doing before you went into the AG's office? I'm just, I'm just interested. Yeah, sure. So I was in I was in a couple of big firms earlier in my career, and then I'd spent a year uh, clerking for a federal judge uh, here in New York City in in, in Brooklyn, uh, and uh, that was a great experience. That's a great, awesome training as a lawyer. Got to work on some cool cases. Got to see the inside scoop on how how the justice system works, and and sometimes doesn't, uh, but mostly works a lot better than than we realize, uh, given the severe lack of resources we give it. Uh, Law enforcement and the justice system are some of the most underfunded parts of our government. So if you want to talk as a progressive about where we need to actually make sure the infrastructure of our government is working, we really need to have more judges on the bench. We need to have more, uh, we need to have more prosecutors doing their job, more public defenders doing their job. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I was doing that. And then I, I had wanted to do government enforcement and that's something I wanted to do and to, and to do that public service. And I was in the Consumer Protection Bureau there at the AG's office, 
And the more we dug into that case, the worse it, the worse it was. And yeah, we had to do a lot of convincing within the office that it was worth the headache of taking him on. He has gone on such a whole jihad saying that, oh, it's all these political prosecutors. Politics is not the reason why he gets prosecuted. He gets prosecuted in spite of politics. His profile makes him someone that prosecutors don't want to take on because it seems like a headache and a food fight. So you don't go after him. It is still to this day part of the calculus. It's why we don't see the Biden administration's Justice Department with Merrick Garland going after Trump that hard because they don't want to look like they're going after him. So he gets off with a lot because he's such a damn blowhard. He's got it completely reversed. He has a reverse, but you hit on something there that I've never really thought of before, that part of what he does is he creates these conflicts of interest preemptively because he's a criminal by going after the potential people who may either preside over his case or who prosecutes him. And you just tweeted about this. You said, Dear Donald Trump, are you sure it's a good idea to blast Justice Kavanaugh like that? You're probably going to need his vote at some point soon. Let's just say. But the more I think about it in the context of what you just said, he probably knows that. And he goes, oh, shit, I'm going to be criminally prosecuted. This may go to the Supreme Court. I got to start my efforts now by attacking all of them so I can say, pity me. I'm the victim. Everyone, it's all politically motivated against me. Yeah, but the kicker is that it's one thing to do that to a, uh, a an AG or a DA who's <laughs> elected the all the time. The Supreme Court, <laughs> it's like you've got a lifetime appointment. What is Justice Justice Kavanaugh just going to be like? Screw you, buddy. You put me here. Now you're going to you made your bed. Now you're going to sleep in it. Like, what's he going to do? You can't no, take that back. That's so true. T- tell, walk yeah. me through. So this July 3rd article you published in the Washington Post, which got a ton of attention. The headline was, I've prosecuted Trump. Documents matter more than Weisselberg. It's fairly self-explanatory, but you believe and you expound in that article well that the documents here, based on, you know, particularly drawing on your experience prosecuting Trump University, that's what's going to be the most important. That's why the AG's yeah. office and the district attorney were fighting for the tax records up to the Supreme Court. And you think this is a very document-driven case, correct? Most white-collar cases are. So, you know, if you've got a street crime case, people aren't emailing, you know, um, you know, they're, they're, people are texting increasingly. So that actually has really helped uh, in, in the prosecution of a lot of street crime cases. But it's not like you're going to have a bunch of spreadsheets when it's, you know, uh, a, a, you know, a drug ring. Um, <laughs> they're not putting their shit in a PowerPoint. <laughs> you know, you have so many more documents in a white collar case. And, it, and often they're hanging themselves right there. They're putting stuff in email. Just even things like they're so boring to think about, but they mean, they're going to make a big difference here. Versions of documents. If they had a version of a document on June 1st that showed a certain set of numbers and another version of the same spreadsheet two weeks later on June 15th that shows another set of, of numbers, like that speaks to intent. Like you didn't accidentally fudge all those numbers. Like you had them in one way, <laughs> then you went and you made them another way. And, uh, and then there's metadata in those documents to show the changes that happened in them. Um, you know that if you use a Google doc, Google keeps track of every single change that you make and it's yep. accessible to everybody who has access to that document, just as an example. 
there's a lot of things that you can capture just through good look at a good look at the documents. And then there's also a lot you can do with a witness, even if they're not cooperating, where you get them on cross-examination. If you know the answers to a bunch of these questions, and then you uh, and you walk them through that in a good cross-examination, you can get a lot out of them that way. There's a lot that you can do short of actually having uh, uh, cooperation. There's been a very vigorous debate about this among sort of the legal Twitter folks that have been following this case. Uh, other people take a very sharply opposed side to this and say, if Weisselberg doesn't cooperate, Trump will never get convicted. I don't believe that. And there's some other folks that are on my side of that debate. Uh, I guess time will tell, but that's my take. Do you think Weisselberg is cooperating? I think he might be already. I think if he's not, he's thinking about it. The kicker is that when someone's cooperating, you don't necessarily, you don't know it right away. If they've done a good job, they're going to coach him. Don't stop going into work. You know, there was that article in the Washington Post a few weeks ago before the indictment of Weisselberg that said Weisselberg's still going to the office. That was some good reporting. I'm glad that they trailed him and figured that out. But unfortunately, it doesn't say as much as they thought it did. It does not necessarily mean that he's not cooperating just because he's still going into the office. If someone's cooperating, you want them to keep up appearances. You want them to make it like everything's cool. Uh, they also might be going back into the office so they can go collect more evidence. Right. So we don't know. The answer is we really don't know, but I think he could be, or he's definitely been considering it. There's no doubt he's been considering it. He was very much in talks with them prior to the indictment. And I'm sure part of it is he's trying to get a better deal and if you're the prosecutors, you want a big fish like that to do at least some time, even if they cooperate, because you don't want them to just get away with it because it, get, it sends a bad message. They don't like that precedent. If he's the CFO, they want him doing at least some prison time. And he is probably trying for full immunity and also for his kids. So we'll see. And Tristan, you sent a dire warning to Alan Weisselberg on your Twitter feed that went super viral. It's currently your pin tweet. You said, dear Alan Weisselberg, they are not bluffing. They're, they're not bluffing. Seriously. <laughs> very truly yours. I like, I love your sign off here. Very truly yours, Tristan Snell, former New York AAG who prosecuted Trump University. If you were going to talk to Weisselberg right now and elaborate on that statement, what would you tell them? What are they not bluffing about? You know, I think they see it now more from the indictment. The indictment was, an, was basically a coded message because they, they, they referenced specific things. They were sending messages to certain people. Some of those messages were for Weisselberg. Some of them were probably for Ivanka and Don Jr. and Eric. There's a lot of like coded messages in there if you know what you're looking for. Um, but they were basically making it clear, hey, guys, we know you had two sets of books at least. Uh, we know that Trump had one of had like a special ledger that was just for him. Uh, by the way, as far as anybody is able to tell, that was reviewed with Trump on a very regular basis. So it's not like Weisselberg went rogue and was doing all this on his own. Trump didn't let anything happen at, at the Trump organization without his say so. He's only let up on that uh, in his sort of, you know, post uh, post presidency phase here where he's just sort of like gone off the deep end down in Florida and like crashing people's bar mitzvahs and stuff. Um, you know, they all tell you about the presidency. Uh, you know, it's, it's so just, true. It's so off. sad. He's just going off. But now he's letting Don and Eric run the show, which is like, that's a whole other comic thing that we can get into. 
Um, but look, back to Weisselberg, like what they're not bluffing about, like, look, we have the documents. We have more than you realized. Uh, there's also another coded message message in there. Unindicted co-conspirator number one. Uh, journalists have officially reported uh, based on sources, but it's been officially reported that an un, un, unindicted co-conspirator number one uh, is Jeff McConney. McConney is the controller of Trump organization. He is Weisselberg's number two. He's Weisselberg's Weisselberg. And McConney testified before the grand jury, which also is known. The way that it tends to work in New York, especially, but mostly anywhere, is that if you've got someone testify before a grand jury and it's very clear they're in the fact pattern and then they weren't indicted, they almost certainly got immunity. So no one has officially come out and reported that McConaughey is cooperating with the prosecutors, but he almost certainly is. Interesting. So you're sitting, you're sitting there and which hasn't been reported nearly enough. Alan Weisselberg, you're sitting there, it's just like, now you know for sure that indictment comes out and McConaughey's not named. So that instantly tells, if your lawyers are any good, Mr. Weisselberg, if I'm addressing him, it's like, if your lawyers are any good, they should have been able to tell you. This means you're number two, your right-hand man for decades ratted you out. He's working with them. So do you really want to let him take you down as opposed to like you need to switch teams and you need to switch teams now before it's too late because each day that goes by where you don't cut a deal, the deal you can get will get worse. Your prison sentence is going to go up and up and up. That's how it works. That's how the game is played. The sooner you cut a deal, the better deal you'll get. Stop messing around and actually just cut the deal because they've got you. That's the message to send to him. That's a bombshell to me. I mean, I don't think yeah. most of our listeners would know about McConaughey and him being an identified co-conspirator number one. I don't think people have made yeah. that connection and that he might be cooperating. It didn't get reported enough. CNN reported it the day the indictments were unsealed, but there was such a flood of news that day and everybody was going nuts about it that I feel like it didn't get enough attention. I think if that, if that news item from CNN dropped right now, it would be headline news. Well, but it's that's the dropping the from Midas Touch. <laughs> it's dropping that's from you Midas listen Touch to the Midas Touch <laughs> podcast, everybody. And let's yeah. just let's just see if Midas Touch is bigger than CNN. Let's see. There you go. If it gets I think you up are. Here. No offense to, you no heard offense it here to first my CNN. From Tristan Snell. Midas <laughs> no, Touch no. bigger than CNN. <laughs> no offense to my CNN friends. They've been great to me. So, but but uh, but yeah, I, let's see if we can make that trend. I think McConaughey's cooperating. So does pretty much everybody else who's been observing this case. So uh, like, that's kind of like a known thing. It just hasn't been reported enough. Wow. But that's the kicker is that it's not like, look, who's the, the number one reporter for a lot of these matters has been David Fahrenthold of the Washington Post. He's won a Pulitzer about investigating Trump. Uh, I, I've, I've gotten a wonderful chance to be interviewed by him a couple of times now. He's a great guy. I love him. Um, you know, from the standards of, of what he has to report on, even the CNN people, no one else has said McConaughey is definitely been, is definitely cooperating. But any, but all of the like former prosecutors in New York on Twitter who have looked at this have all said, oh yeah, McConaughey's cooperating. Everybody like it, it's just like anybody who looks at this from a legal commentator perspective, where you don't have to worry about the journalistic ethics of it uh, at a big paper. Uh, they're all saying like McConaughey's cooperating. It's very obvious he's cooperating and not indicting McConaughey 
in that indictment was a clear message to Alan Weisselberg that it's like, dude, your right hand man is ratting you out. <laughs> Loud and clear. Loud and, and trust Weisselberg. me, I bet you, yeah. Well, look, and uh, yeah, so uh, Richard Signorelli, who I love, who's also, uh, he and I go back and forth on Twitter a lot. He was at the Southern District around the same time that I was at the AG's office. And um, he said that he knows uh, Weisselberg's defense counsel and that they're actually like, you know, they're good lawyers. So look, his lawyers probably have been able to tell him, hey, guess what? This probably means that McConney might be cooperating. Uh, you know, I would take that a step further and say, like, he is cut it out. Like, they got you. <laughs> like, when your right hand man is talking and when your right hand man is singing to the prosecutors, just don't mess with it anymore. It's just like you just got to, you know, you, you, you just got to make the jump. It, it's tough. He's walking away from his whole life. He spent his whole life at that company. It's his entire life that he's, and walking he's an old away guy from. at this point. And I he's mean... an old guy, but 50 year career working for the Trumps. I, I pity the man in a lot of ways, Yeah, you know, but, but at the same time, it's like, you know, like do it for your family, do it for the country, do it for yourself. Like, you know, look, you're probably going to baby, you're going to do some time maybe, but like make that time as easy as possible. Maybe they'll let you out early, you know, make sure your sons don't get rung up too, because they also probably had some tax shenanigans there with the yeah. Trump org. You know, don't don't do that to yourself. Don't do it to your family. Just just just, you know, play ball. I would tell him, too, you could uh, avoid getting farted on by Rudy Giuliani. (laughs) I don't know who's going to call top bunk. So you're you're, you're saying Rudy's calling top bunk and he's going to he's going to say it's his. The implication of yes. was that that Rudy? We're going to have to work that out. We're going to have to work that out. Yeah, no, uh, no, I, I, I hate to be the, I hate to be the one to burst that bubble as, as fun as it is. No, Rudy's going down with the feds. So Rudy will be at the federal pen and Weisselberg would be at the state pen. Rudy's, the Rudy's parts though. Rudy's parts. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> <laughs> they, they tore the they, they they tore the country far. and by the way as an they extra jab far. at cnn <laughs> we're breaking news and we're talking about giuliani's farts spreading across the landscape yeah, of good. these united states of america you just don't get this everywhere tristan you just don't get this everywhere that's, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. jordy yeah. can you top that or are you just gonna are you gonna even ask any questions jordy after i would that? love to if you guys would let me get a word in i mean this is crazy <laughs> tristan i do this every show man tristan i got two for you right now so, and that's all the time we have for the this is what I mean. They pulled it. They, this is an ongoing bit. I'm just were, kidding. Go, go, go on. Tristan, please. Tristan, where, where is yeah. Trump in four years? Uh, is he behind bars? Is he hiding out in another country? Or is he running for president? Or some combination of those things. Sure. You know, uh, in four years. So that's 2025. Three and a half, three and a half, three and a half years. Okay, so let's say, what, where, is he, where is he in three years? Okay, so he's 2024. What's he doing? Um, I think he's running for president uh, unless he's shuffled off this mortal coil. He is running for president. Um, And then um, now, is he doing it while under indictment? I think he might Mm. be. Is he a free man pending all of the court proceedings? That sounds right to me. Has he left the country as much as it's fun to theorize about that? (laughs) Um, You know, I think that's probably less likely but uh, you never know. You never know. Maybe there's, uh, you know, he gets like a, 
He gets like a, a, a speedboat taking him to a Russian submarine. You know, you can invent a whole movie around that. But uh, no, I, I'm going to vote just to wrap, to just actually answer the question. I say he's running for president while under indictment. He's actually out, uh, you know, either on bail or on his own recognizance. His passport has been taken from him and there's some court proceedings or appeals that are in, that are in motion. But he is actually like, you know, uh, he's actually still running around the country as a free man running for president while undergoing all of these criminal proceedings, which will, by that point in 24, will not just be New York, but potentially could be Georgia, could be Arizona, yep. could be January 6th, could be lots of things. A very specific answer. I really appreciate that, Tristan. And if you have we get poop- more specific, with- Tristan, with poop in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> God. All right. No all comment. right. Then. No. <laughs> Tristan, you have time for a quick game of uh, word association? Sure. All right, here we go. I'm going to do a rapid fire. Ready? Rudy yep. Giuliani. Imprisonment. Don Jr. Incompetence. Ivanka. Singing like a canary. Weisselberg. <laughs> Singing like a canary. Ooh, Eric Trump. <laughs> Clueless. Ben Micellis. <laughs> Uh, he's a handsome man. Smart man, smart man. Dangerous game, dangerous game. <laughs> what do you got? Jordy, that's all you got. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's all I got. That's all, that was my word association. There we go. There we go. Well, game I, over. I guess, I, I guess we covered it all, Tristan. I mean, we went on a journey. We've we've explored the law. We've explored the future. Um, and we appreciate you having having you on the show, Tristan. I got to ask you a question though. Do, sure. Would you would you ever consider running for political office down the line? You strike me as someone who would be kind of an incredible uh, a, an incredible candidate one day. Uh, I'm. I would definitely like to serve my country as much as I can. If that means elected office, then so be it. Um, I'm not going to lie. I would really, you know, being the attorney general here in the great state of New York would be a dream come true. I loved working for that office. I'd love to lead it. Uh, am I going to do any of that anytime soon? Probably not. Uh, I've got a two and a half year old at home, uh, you know, and we're hoping to have uh, at least one more kid. So I don't think I want to be running for office while I've got the kids that aren't even in school yet. If I had the opportunity to do something like that down the road, I definitely would would be uh, would be interested in doing it, but uh, you know, I I see what I'm doing now as as hopefully being you know helpful and useful for folks, and uh, you know, and I really enjoy what I'm doing now, getting to to help a lot of great businesses and uh, to help a lot of uh, to help you know Main Street America get the same kind of legal representation that that Wall Street and big companies have. Uh, so that's a big mission for me as well. Uh, but yeah, I would I would love to actually. Uh, you know, serve in some capacity somewhere at some point down the road. Follow Tristan Snell on Twitter at Tristan Snell. Check out his website, www. I sound like I'm like a boomer. www. www. Mainstreetlaw.com. It's on this thing called the interwebs. All right. www.com. Mainstreet.law. What were you going to say, you Tristan? Can, you can you can skip the W. It's just you can just do Mainstreet.law. 
Go to MainStreet.Law. Check Tristan out at Tristan Snell. Uh, It's been really great having you as a guest. It's been a ton of fun. We hope you come back. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Appreciate it. We'll be right back after these messages. What's up, Midas Mighty? Ben Micellis here, joined by my brothers. One of the things I am most proud about over the recent weeks is the new, improved, and revamped Midas Merch store. And the Midas Merch is absolutely crushing it from hats to t-shirts to mugs to masks you name it we have it at the Midas merch shop and we appreciate the support I mean we're selling out of most of that gear almost instantaneous we got Saki bomb designs we got Vax and relax the fan favorite we got be mighty we got club democracy you know what's funny about club democracy guys that one really set off republicans Probably because <laughs> democracy is a dirty word to them. So when they say, hey, democracy, or they, get like really, word. they get really angry. But that's why I like to say, and it's it's half-jokingly, honestly, Midas merch might be the best GQP repellent out there. Talk about not wanting anybody to think you're a Republican. You rock the club democracy shirt. <laughs> you wear a Vax Then Relaxed mask. No one's going to think you watch Tucker Carlson. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. And you left out my favorite design, too. The shout-out to the Midas Mighty that's become a fan-favorite catchphrase. So, hey, if you're interested, if you want to get some merch, help support us, help support the brothers, please check out store.midastouch.com. That's store.meidastouch.com and get your Midas Touch gear today. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. Great guest, Tristan Snell. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by Brett and Jordy Micellis. GQP states are going to GQP, and we call them GQP states because they are run by GQP uh, governors, GQP-led legislatures, who, at the end of the day, that style of leadership mirrors the death-cultish, incompetent, incomprehensible, stupid way that Trump ran America. And those states are suffering. Those states are reeling from a lot of, you know, from a lot of this incompetence. And it just looks fucking crazy. Like, can we talk about just Tennessee for a second, where Tennessee Department of Health right now is now halting all vaccination outreach to children, not just for COVID-19, but for any diseases. They're just they're just going in completely anti-vaccine. Tennessee new slogan is bring back polio. And it is just part of this pattern of anti of anti-life these gqp hate the living there's no there's no other way i mean i described it on a tweet the other day of you know i always thought there was a plot gap when you deal with cartoon the quote-unquote bad guy because they seem to have no motivation other than to do bad but it's like well what are they what do they want to do like what are they trying to get they're just trying to kill the good guy I've been thinking about this, though, a lot because, okay, we're having another COVID spike right now. The numbers are starting to go up in almost every state. And this is a different spike, though, than what we witnessed in the past, because this spike is really purely via unvaccinated people. 
Those are the people who are bringing up the numbers for the first time, and they're getting the Delta variant, which is a highly contagious variant. And that's because Fox News, the Tennessee Department of Health, and all other sort of GQP properties are pushing this anti-vax propaganda. So I was thinking about this a lot recently, and I was like, so why would they do this? Are they just pro-death? Like, is that what they want? They just want to kill their, because they're killing their own people at the end of the day at this point. They're killing, they're killing Republicans. Uh, and then I thought about it a little more, and I thought, I think that's collateral damage for them. I think they're okay with death. I think they're okay with that. But I think what their main goal is, is I think this is once again projection from what they would say about what Democrats were doing over the past year. They would constantly say that Democrats were pushing COVID lockdowns and COVID-related policies because they wanted to hurt Trump's economy and hurt America so that President Biden could come in and fix it. So what I think they're doing right now is they see that President Biden has handled COVID incredibly. Vaccines are being distributed to everybody who wants them, and everybody's getting back to normal. People are getting their jobs back. People are being prosperous again. People are getting these $300 child tax credits for every kid. People are finally able to live again. And so what they want to do is what they accused Democrats of doing, which Democrats weren't doing. Democrats were following health guidelines. But they want to do is they want to put a stake in the heart of the Biden economy. And they think the best way to do that is to get as many people as possible sick and then cause more lockdowns, more shutdowns, because they know inevitably if the rates get so high, we're going to have to go there eventually. I think that's their master plan. Look, that's definitely sharp. At, at, at the QAnon CPAC rally the other day, uh, they even openly admitted to that when they cheered on not getting vaccinated. The whole room was, was so proud of that. And, and Ben, you're spot on too that, Look, the GQP hates the living. I think it gets even more specific. They hate children. The GQP, they let kids take on enormous amount of student loan debts. They let kids get sick with coronavirus. And also, they let kids get gunned down in schools. They don't update any of these policies because they don't care about the kids. It's disgusting. And I was going to ask Brett, Jordy, Mm -hmm. I I don't know where Brett finds all the time to be thinking like this. Like, (laughs) you're supposed to be editing the videos, Brett. I mean, those are you've come up with some real truth bombs on this podcast. Well, here's the thing. This is what happens when I break my phone. I'm unable to use it for a few hours. I actually have to actually have to think about life a little bit. I have to do some analysis. (laughs) I have to do some introspection. So breaking my phone caused me to just, you know, like a philosopher, just tap my chin. Like Aristotle uh... walked through the cave. Uh, is, is that Aristotle or Plato? Am I going to get totally uh, screamed at I'm not by? A, so I'm not even going to comment because I don't want to be mocked by the internet. But I'm. Uh... <laughs> but his I, new name but is point, Plato Brett. But, but your point is taken, and and no, I mean, but that's that's really my my theory on what this whole thing is. It's, it's Plato. It's. Biden's economy is incredibly strong. So we need to, A, convince people that it's actually doing poorly. And that's why they keep hyping up any sort of news here about prices and whatnot, which just has to do with supply and demand issues. Like literally the economy was shut down for an entire year. And now people are purchasing things again. Yes, things get more expensive when that happens. And it's to do as much damage to the economy as possible because America to them is not their priority getting power is their priority. And so they will destroy America to get reelected. That's what they're doing. They're destroying America to get reelected. Can we just talk just very briefly about Socrates, Plato and Aristotle? I mean, I I mean, I know this has nothing to do with anything, but these philosophers came right after each other. You have 
Socrates was the first, then came his student Plato, and after that came Aristotle, who was who was the student at Plato's academy. Like it's pretty impressive that for like a period of about 100 years, like three people who we always talk about just taught each other. Like I, I just wanted to drop that truth bomb for people there. <laughs> like I'm just going on great a complete truth tangent, bomb. But I truth think bomb, people, and Plato was the allegory. You know, of, you know, I, you know, I've been. They didn't have iPhones. That's what I've learned. There you go. They all broke exactly. the iPhones. They were able to walk through the cave and think <laughs> like Brett, Plato, Mycellus. <laughs> and then, of course, we have the GQP party in Texas. And I think the best analogy here is like when we talk about the existence of the filibuster, you know, the Democrats basically in in Texas are not allowing a quorum to be formed. Um, in Texas, in an area where Texas wants to unlawfully strip voters of voter rights because Texas knows that they're now purple and they will be turning blue um, shortly. So they want to pass very repressive voting rights laws. But if you want to know what the GQP strategy would be and we're like, well, what would the GQP do if they controlled the Senate right now in the federal level? I'll tell you what they would do. Look what they're doing in Texas. They are put out a bounty to arrest all of the Texas Democrats and throw them in jail. That's what literally the Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said today when he was on TV. Play that clip. Sir, welcome back here. Any sign of a resolution on this? Uh, Not immediately, but it will be resolved, Bill. Look, they can't hold out forever. They have families back home. They have jobs back home. And pretty soon their wives or husbands uh, will start saying, hey, it's time to get back. Uh, back home. And when they get home, if we're in a special session, uh, they'll be arrested and brought to the Capitol and we will pass these bills. That is a high level GQP politician. Talk, wait, they're going to arrest every Democrat because the Democrats are not allowing the Republicans to pass a voter rights bill that's going to strip voters um, it's particularly in black and brown communities of their right to vote. Yeah, it's outrageous. It's it's full blown fascism. And Texas and Florida right now really kind of seem like these little, little uh, petri, petri dishes, dishes of uh, fascism. And the other thing that Texas was doing that is just absolutely horrifying is what they are taking the enforcement of abortion away from the government. And they are trying to create a sort of neighborhood watch system in Texas, whereby they are putting a bounty on the heads of women who get abortions. And they are telling their citizens to report any of this quote unquote illegal activity and they will be awarded $10,000 for each illegal abortion. That is abortion so if fucking they are disturbing. Now, I got to tell you, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was a big fan of The Handmaid's Tale. I would watch every episode. I was, I was very into it. But as the pandemic hit, as Trump got crazier and crazier, I had to stop watching the show because I felt America turning in that direction, and I felt like... When I watch CNN, I'm watching The Handmaid's Tale. When I, you know, like, like this is what America's becoming. And so watching this dramatized version of it is like scary because that's what is happening to our country. And there's probably no other example of America becoming The Handmaid's Tale than putting a $10,000 bounty on the head of women who try to get abortions in the state of Texas. This is just supremely fucked up, twisted, 
behavior, anti-democratic fascism to its core. And here's the thing. The reason that you're seeing these efforts, they seem to be escalating. As you listen to more Midas podcasts, what the GQP is doing seems to be like, wait a minute, they're doing more and more things. Yes, because they're desperate. They are doing it because they know that they face extinction and they look at history and they look across the world currently and they see places where crazy groups that represent small portions of the population because they engage in loud, obnoxious fascism and attack people who just want to go on with their lives, right? Most people, you know, before we started Midas Touch, you know, what, what we would be doing on what instead of this podcast, maybe we go to the park, you know, maybe we'd be out for a walk. That's probably what we'd be doing if we weren't out podcast. We'd be working, um, you know, on, on our day-to-day stuff. Most You're watching people, The Handmaid's Tale for fun, not as a documentary. The exactly. Watching The Handmaid's Tale for fun. Most people don't want to have to fight against crazy shit. You just want to go on with your day and just go to sleep and watch TV and be with your family and be comfortable. But that's not the time you're living in now. Our country, our people have been called upon to do great things at various times in our history. And we've been spoiled. We've been spoiled since World War II when that greatest generation made sacrifices, but we all now have to answer that call. However we can, if you can podcast, podcast, if you do art, do art. If you're a great speaker, speak. If you have digital talents, make videos. You are needed right now to expose the truth. We need your voice. We need the numbers. We need you to join what we are doing to make sure that these efforts in the GQP are looked back as a blip in history, as a stain, but not the definition of who we are as Americans. We don't attack our military leaders. We don't support our foreign adversaries. We fight for democracy in the United States of America. And we thank you for joining this fight with us each and every day. And by listening to this podcast, I'm Ben Micellis, joined by my brothers, Brett and Jordy Micellis. We're grateful for your support and we're grateful for your fight. We'll see you on the next Midas Touch podcast. Shout out to the Midas Mighty!